0: Christian, you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast. Brennan Kelly. Brennan, what's going on? Baba? how are you? Buddy, the question is,
1: how are you? You've just moved from one of the greatest cities in the world to what I consider to be the worst state in the Union. Um, how do you feel right now?
0: I feel a little crazy, um, but also remarkably chill at the uh at the current moment. I have been really taking advantage of the fact that for the first time in uh years I can exit a room and really not have it be like a a big deal. I could go downstairs without leaving my domicile.
1: Yeah, you see, um for those of you who don't know, Tim is extraordinarily rotund and um, doors in Chicago were too narrow for him. But now that he's moved to Indiana where the doors are extraordinarily wide to uh, fit people of his um, particular um, body type, um, he's able to leave the room without it being a big deal.
0: Extraordinarily wide uh, doorways. (laughs) And I think, you know, this is something that as a first time uh, homeowner, um, my wife and I were, were, were kind of like, I wonder how it's gonna like, feel. And I said, well, it's probably like with the, with the way they talk about like with children where just like suddenly things just like change in your perspective. And it's funny that you bring up doorways because I'm looking at the doorways in my home and realizing that they are all put together very poorly. So I'm going to have to learn how to do a better job. Yeah, yeah, that's that's
1: the thing with homeownership is all of a sudden you're like, well, that tile is my problem, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, enough about our great successes, Tim. Um, what, what, are we, what, are we, what are we here to here to talk about today?
0: Well, we are here, and we're um, we let's let's apologize at first for the uh the delay that we had uh with the episode we didn't have an episode last week um just dealing with me moving in brendan you're going to be in la so we're recording in advance but we've uh, at this point we're going to be in the second week of uh october or i guess the first full week of october that we're posting this so we uh, apologize for not being able to keep up on the weekly weekly, over on Road to the Skeleton Coast. Uh, every road has a detour, tour, as as I like to say. That's uh, I believe that's um, a song by the band Paisan. Mm. Um, <laughs>
1: similar to Poison, but very
0: different. The Italian version <laughs> yeah, of Poison. Italian Poison. Poison. But like, we are, hey, yo, party! <laughs> what the fuck
1: is your problem? <laughs> Can <laughs> Can I got a blow, jo- I a fucking blowjob over here.
0: He's talking to <laughs> to me, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but we're here to talk about. We are the champions. We are the champions of podcasting, and we are the champions of the world. The name of the Lawrence Arms Greatest Hits. Compilation? Did you call it a greatest hits, or did you say the uh, the best of? It is greatest hits. Um,
1: First and foremost, Chris came up with the name, Mm -hmm. uh, the title of the album, which he said it, and it was like, every once in a while, McCoggan just like drains him. I mean, he he like what I mean is. Like, I'm talkative and I throw out, like, 10,000 ideas and he will just sit there and wait and then he'll be like, you yeah, know, we should call it something like We Are the Champions of the World. And it's just like, <laughs> Yep, we sure should. Ignore those previous 10,000 ideas. Um, and, um, you know, it's funny because Mike, um, Fat Mike from Fat Records approached me and, like, we've talked on this before about how like when we went to epitaph there was like kind of a bit of a falling out between me and mike we were very close and it hurt his feelings or i don't i don't want to say that to sound like dismissive like he he no, was
0: hurt, hurt feelings are a real thing he, he was upset
1: you know and um mm-hmm. so when he hit me up and he was like hey man i'm thinking that maybe we should do a uh lauren time's greatest hits and i was like It's very interesting, considering that we have no hits, uh, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, dude, the way everybody consumes music now, it's like on Spotify. Wouldn't you rather have everything that you think is good in one place so if somebody goes, they see greatest hits, and they're going to be listening to your good shit rather than listening to some of that other dog shit, you know? And, Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you're making a lot of fucking sense, man. And Mike went and... I don't know if it's because Epitaph is so cool or because they give so little of a shit about us. Um <laughs> but they were just like, Yeah, you can have some songs off Metropole for this, you know? And uh so Mike was able to license that stuff and the stuff from Asian Man um easily. And the thing that's crazy is that <sighs> Oakalcotta had a huge impact on, like, our audience, our live audience, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, Mm -hmm. just, like, our sort of stature as a band. Metropole had almost the same impact. Um, This record, maybe even more. But it is Mm. not because of what Mike said. I've recently realized what it is, and it's that, like... People that have just seen our name forever and never checked us out, all of a sudden it was like Lawrence Arm's greatest hits album. And they were like, oh, that's the kind of band that deserves a greatest hits album. Yeah. It was like, and to be clear, no, we're, we're, we're not. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I guess what I was getting at and I was that all of a sudden, like, we were taken in, like, a sort of like a, uh, as, as a different entity yet again. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, Calcutta, we were like, oh, man, this is a scrappy, small band that actually has, like, great songs. Mm-hmm. We put out Metropole. And it was like, oh, these guys have kind of, like, arrived. And, oh, uh, this has been a long time, and this doesn't suck. And then we put out this, and it was like, oh, I've been meaning to check that band out. Or, like, I've yeah. seen I've seen the name in ads for 20 years, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess, like, they're probably worth checking out if they've got a greatest hits album on Fat. Right. You know, and it... I mean, there's the difference between... I mean, each of those things doubled our audience, you know? So in a very real way, We Are the Champions was the most impactful record because our audience Mm -hmm. was already larger after Mm -hmm. Metropole. So...
0: And I gotta... What? I, I mean... Just to like relate my own experience, like when I was in high school, um the cure put out a new greatest hits collection in like two thousand and three. Every person in my friend group bought that CD. We all like really took in the cure all at once as sixteen year olds. I think a similar effect happened like, you know, countless times over, the replacements did a did a good like best of in like 2007 and i know that had a big impact on them so it's it's not only like the people who have just been like oh yeah sure that that epi fat band but it's also you know younger kids yeah See, that I mean, is a great entry point
1: it, it is again it was a great idea i mean mike was right about everything but he wasn't right about the actual reason that it was gonna be uh so 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 good for us you know, mm-hmm. like I, I don't think, I don't think anybody foresaw that. I mean, like that. It was just like, what the fuck?
0: There's a thousand people here. It's Baltimore. You yeah. know. <laughs> so, yeah. In terms of like, you know, you you have a a, a packaging that's going to help you with the new audience. You also have. Uh, Devoted fans who are going to buy Lawrence Arms uh, pressing of of anything, like what? From your standpoint, what are you what are you thinking in terms of like, all right, well, we want to make sure that like anybody who's buying this, who has all of our other records, is going to get their money's worth.
1: Totally great question. Uh, first and foremost, it was the packaging. You know, mm-hmm. um, we enlisted David, and we had this idea. Immediately, I don't remember who said it, but it was like three fucking skeletons. One's a pirate. One's a I I can't even remember what they are. Like one's a fucking one's a Uh, you got a a cowboy. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. One's a cowboy. One's a candlestick
0: maker. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks like a kind of a uh, he's got kind of a Catholic vibe.
1: Oh yeah, one's oh no, no, mm. one's a rabbi, I believe maybe
0: oh okay, yeah yeah, yeah right oh, yeah the the beard and the yeah hair. Um, so, makes a lot of sense, okay, so it's starting to sound like I suggested
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i I'm not taking credit for it I'm just uh but mm-hmm. the, what, what's really funny about that cover drawing is like um David holtz, who is our erstwhile designer and layout artist um so David holtz had this. Strong commission and uh <laughs> Neil um looked at it and he was like, "Yeah, it's cool, but uh I, Neil also never has feedback on shit like this ever at all." Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a very un- it's very unique to see a Neil Hennessy like reply email in your inbox, uh-huh. right? And he's like, <laughs> "It's cool, but I think the pirate should have a." Um, skeleton parrot on its shoulder <laughs> <laughs> dude
0: he only comes he only uh he only comes in when it counts is what it's they like. they both they both shoot once and hit you know yeah um and so yeah
1: this like the package design was a big deal to do like the gatefold mm-hmm. album and stuff like that and then um we're able to scrape together those uh, those lost demos from mm-hmm. the old Calcutta sessions. And I think the feeling in, like, our camp was, like, man, between this fucking beautiful package and this
0: mm-hmm.
1: these songs, and it's like everybody's going to fucking just listen to this shit on Spotify anyway. Like, if somebody wants this... Mm-hmm. the design is like where it's at you know yeah, so like totally and since like since we did that it was like yeah i mean you're right it is like a it is a tricky thing to be like an ethical band and repackage the exact same recordings you know mm-hmm. but um i think we were very conscious of that and um god
0: right it's awesome <laughs> it turned out great so how did the sequencing process go? Did y'all kind of just like do that by committee or? I think
1: what happened, and I might be getting some of this a little bit wrong, but the way I remember it was, I wrote a list of what I thought was everything that could possibly be on there. Mm-hmm. Chris and Neil added to that list. Mm-hmm. And then we sent the whole thing to Fat, and Fat took their three employees, like current or ex, who were like the biggest Lawrence Arms fans, and had them vote on each song. Mm. So it would be like anything with three points was going on, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Anything with no points was not going on you know, mm-hmm. and then it, like, kind of was our discretion, but, uh, I don't know, I, maybe I wasn't the first person to make the master list, but I think, I think I was, uh, I don't know, it doesn't really fucking matter, but, um, yeah, is uh, Pat from Fat Records was like, well, we got your results here, you know, and then from there, uh, I sort of sequenced it, but, I mean, it's hard to sequence something that's, that sprawling
0: yeah totally i have always found it kind of uh interesting that on with the show comes first just because um you know you're i'm so used to hearing that as like the counterpoint to um the raw and searing flesh so right well you know it's it's funny that you say that because
1: i actually think that's a Really good opening song. It is contextualized very differently on Mm -hmm. Greatest Story Ever Told. It reminds me so much of... And not that this song is the same within our catalog or definitely Mm -hmm. in the broader scheme of things, but the Bad Religion Greatest Hits that opens with I Want to Conquer the World. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. They're just diving right in
0: here. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's like that... (laughs) Totally. That uh genre of porn that's like straight to anal or whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, it's like wow. Oh, oh, stranal. Yeah. Yeah, they they like they're not fucking around. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and you know, say what you will about it. It's like you, in order to like fucking package all these songs together, it ha- everything has to be recontextualized a little bit. And like, I prefer hearing "I Want to Conquer the World." as the fucking second to last song on side A of No Control. Mm-hmm. But it's also a fucking pretty whip-ass opening song. It's like, ooh, Greatest Hits, let's check out this band and see if they're yeah, any totally. good. And then it's like, uh, actually we're the best band ever. You know? Uh, <laughs> like, uh, no. in the case of Bad Religion, I'm not talking about us or on with the show. Like I said, those two songs are incomparable because one is so fucking goddamn good, uh, the one by Bad Religion, and i don't even consider on the show to be within our catalog the one of the songs that would be like i want to conquer the world which is kind of uh-huh. the best song ever
0: yeah yeah that's funny it's funny that you would say something like that about the first song on your uh on your best of but it i and you know i wasn't i wasn't bringing it up as uh, as a way to like knock the decision. It's just, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just uh it's just a funny little, uh, thing where it's like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. I'm- well, so I, I sequenced
1: this and the way I did it was, um, the same way I write set lists.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like,
1: what are songs we open with? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we open with fucking slowest drink. We open with uh, recover every once in a while. We open with necrotism, you know, uh, it, like, so it's just, it was just that kind of thought process that went into it was like, all right, I just have to make this like a set list because if I try to overthink this, like, it's like a canonized work i'm gonna go fucking insane yeah you know it's like i'm I'm like i'm just repackaging songs that exist so it's set Mm -hmm. it's a set Mm -hmm.
0: you know um that's funny you mention necrotism and recover because those are two songs that are not on this which i find i mean do you know that david anthony has a necrotism tattoo no what it? is this, what is it of? I off the top of my head I couldn't tell you but he it's I know that it's large and uh I know that that's his favorite Lawrence arms song. It's my wife's favorite Lawrence arms song as well. Really? Mhm. Really? That's very interesting. Um
1: it's what one of about, my favorites.
0: It's one of my favorites
1: too, actually. Um, oh, this is one we've never gotten to talk about because uh, it's not on any
0: proper album. Well, um, we talked about it on cocktails. Oh, uh, we sure did. Yeah, you're right. Um, but well, the, I feel like the nature of this program is yeah. also like, yeah, let's fucking let's talk about necrotism. We're here. Well, the thing about the
1: thing about necrotism, just really briefly, I don't want to like drag anybody down or talk about stuff I've already talked about, but is that it um, uh, was written specifically to be on a comp, the Rock Against Bush comp. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, it's got to come in fucking hard. It's got to be fast. It's got to have, like, a fucking huge dynamic shift in it.
0: Mm -hmm. And then it's got
1: to fucking get out, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, and it was, like, that was the... say a phrase that we say so much here. That was the writing exercise. You know, it was like, Mm -hmm. come in hard as shit, make it soar, huge Mm -hmm. dynamic shift, over and under two minutes. Like, you know, that's, and I mean, like, if you listen to, uh, presenting the dancing machine, which is another song I wrote specifically for a comp, Mm -hmm. um, same thing. I mean, it's just, like, there's, like, a certain formula there for me. Totally. It's, like, and not to say that I'm, like, cut and paste and shit. I mean, those songs are not the same at all. But you can see where, like, it's, like, you know, you're fucking standing in a fucking slop line with, like, the Foo Fighters and Green Day and everybody. It's, like, nobody wants to listen to you. Uh, you know, like, I, here's a minute and a half. The song yeah. title will be so long that people have to go check out what the fuck it is. Um, it comes in as hard as possible. It soars. It shows the dynamism of the band. Boom, mm-hmm. done. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. how you write a comp song, people. If you ever go back in time to a point in uh, time where comps exist, <laughs> that's how you would do it. <laughs>
0: I actually listened to um, cocktails on my way home from West Lafayette today. I went to go pick up something on Craigslist and just drove um, straight north-south on good old Indiana Route 421 and just went past through a bunch of like tiny little towns and seeing... A lot of like the the emptiness that's described on this song was a real. I don't know. It it kind of like brought me to uh, a different a different place because I you know I don't see I don't see the same type of like decay and like emptiness in the city as I do in you know poorer parts of rural Indiana. But it was—I don't know—it. It, the times are changing, but we all stay the same. as, like a—I don't know—that one hit me really, really hard today, in particular.
1: It does have kind of like a rust belt kind of vibe to it, right? It's like that kind yeah. of like the, the the blockbusters, which are like already at the time were a dinosaur that was dead, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like the empty parking lots, and it's just like. I don't know I feel like it's got a real like weeds growing up between the asphalt kind of fucking vibe to it, man. Yeah. You know. Seriously. And um this is one that I really love. Um I mean obviously it's like for being a song that's so relatively obscure. Mhm. Uh a lot of people like put this like near the top of the list, you know? Yeah. It's it's like um Slowest Drink is another song like that, but Slowest Drink is now, like, our most played song on Spotify, um, so, yeah. it, like, it's a kind of a perpetual motion machine at this point,
0: but mm-hmm. it's, like,
1: it came off an EP, but yet it right. still found, like, the love of, like, a LP song or whatever. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I mean, it, it's interesting, because, like, Butt Sweat and Tears is really, like, the the... Like new release that you have at the height of the Oh Calcutta popularity. And EPs tend to not like have the type of staying power that an LP does. But if there's a single that's on there, that single is going to be what people really latch on to, I think.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there was no like sort of media push or anything for like a for a single but i mean that's that's Mm -hmm. that's obviously just it's a great song it's so good you know and i mean like the thing i don't know man um i think one of the things about our band is that like i don't think any of us are like trying to just like shit out an ep you know it's like (laughs) if we're gonna Mm -hmm. do an ep it's gonna be the best fucking five songs we can put on an ep right you know like um if we're going to do a song on a comp, it's going to be the best song we can put on a comp. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not, like, I I know, I know, I talk to a lot of people in bands that are popular who are just like, eh, it's a fucking comp song, whatever. You know, and it's like, it's like, I don't, I don't want that wrecking our batting average, man. You know, like, uh, it's fucking, and so, like, so this song, Necrotism, which is a comp song, um, Mm -hmm. which is weird that it has, like, found such a place in the hearts of so many people, um, you know, like I said.
0: Yeah, I would say, too, that the, um, you know, going along with it being a testament to to the homies is that it's, you know, it's also track number eight on Cocktails and Dreams. It's not, like, prominently placed in that track listing at all, too. So it, it truly is, like strength of the song but i you know i love the fucking that you go for it on comps. it's one of my favorite things about the alkaline trio it's something that i remember interviewing mikey erg for better yet and they did they did splits with fucking everybody and that's where they put all of their best material and it's like yeah of course because the people who are buying the seven inch for the Lemuria side are going to are going to hear your band for the first time, and you might as well give them the best.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's also there's something to be said for the um, just sort of mental frame of mind that you get into if you're the right kind of person. I mean, like you know, some people will be like, "Oh, it's seven inch, it's a split, fuck it." Here's here's a song, you know, and mm-hmm. some people will be like okay, it's a 7-inch, not a lot of people are going to hear this. We are, like, you know, we're up against a band that we like. We don't want to look like shit here. This is, like, the box we're in. This is the writing exercise we have to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, I can say, I think with authority, that we don't, like, try to put our best songs on comps or 7-inches, you know? But it's just, like, sometimes that shit works out um, because of the sort of nature of what it's like to Mm -hmm. create in that little tiny, like, very specific universe.
0: I mean, you know, I feel like we've talked about this in in a few different forms before, but after Ghost Stories, you do the Shady View Terrace split and then present-day memories with the chinkies and i feel that's where your band fucking blossoms that's the beginning so, that's
1: the beginning of our band for sure
0: yeah so i guess when you when you come away from that shady view do terrace uh split are are you like okay well uh turns out like a toast and nebraska are like fucking on a on a level that like you know maybe a couple tracks from both of those lps uh, is on, but that also has to be like, do you get an extra set of confidence and just like, cool, we fucking owned this side of this split?
1: Um, I think that the vibe of that entire side mm-hmm. um, is so cool for the time. I don't know that mm-hmm. it translates now, but it's like at a time when everybody was doing like that, like, sort of like really dire screamo. And yeah. we were like, this is all going to be like very minor, but it's going to be aggressive. It's going to be punk rock and it's going to be like unapologetic. And mm-hmm. like when it came out, I mean, did we own oh, the fucking, give me a fucking break. Uh, <laughs> you know, like
0: uh, <laughs> uh, like not to besmirch the name of Shady Terrace. No,
1: absolutely not to besmirch the name of Shady Terrace. Shady Vuteris was a band that was absolutely of the moment. You know, mm-hmm. and, like, I'm sure there's a lot of people that bought that um, split and listened to the Shady V side, and were like, yes, this is my shit, and then heard us, and we're like, what the fuck is this? Uh-huh. You know, and uh, actually, I would say probably initially most people
0: mm. uh,
1: did, you know. Um, I don't know how much success that band ever had. I don't think I've ever met anybody from that band. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's their only release. Yeah, and it's quite possible. Um, the, yeah. The dude that did that Castaway Records mm-hmm. just wanted to, like, give us money to record. Yeah. And um, he was just a kid. I mean, he was a young kid with a lot of money. And mm-hmm. uh, he seemed fine. Um he introduced me to Avril Levine. That was kind of cool. Um, uh, but, <laughs> dude, funny story. So Matt Marty, who like does our monitors and who like does sound mm-hmm. for me. Friend when, of the show. When I play acoustically. Yeah, a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Great dude. Um, <laughs> he was recently in Thailand um, mm-hmm. getting a pedicure. And he has a tattoo of Flappy on his foot. And the dude sitting uh-huh. next to him was like, Yo, is that a Lawrence Arms tattoo? And Marty's like Yeah They're in Thailand In a pedicure uh-huh. place, right? And uh, <laughs> dude's like Yeah, I put out that Shady there split <laughs> 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 And Marty's mm-hmm. like Well, there's no fucking way that's true But it is too weird to lie about So, okay
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Uh <laughs> so yeah, but, um, yeah, no, so I actually, just the vibe on that side is, was, was the thing. I don't feel mm-hmm. like we came away being like, oh, a toast in Nebraska or whatever. Mm-hmm. If anything, I think the vibe kind of culminates in that, uh, another boring story at the end. Mm. Not, not that I think that's the best song on that record, but that's like where the vibe is at. Totally. You know? And, um, and, uh, I mean, Faintly Falling Ashes is on there. That's the only good Christmas song besides mm-hmm. Fairy Tale of New York. Um, but, uh, I think we did that and we were like, fuck, we got a thing now. We got a thing. Yeah. You know? And it's like, and it just to have it be pushed up against like this, like, very of the moment Screamo band that was the kind of bands that were like, I don't want to say blowing us off the stage, but kind of blowing us off the stage, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, at the time, and just to like listen to their side and be like, I don't get this at all, and then listen yeah. to our side and be like, Oh yes, yes, yeah. this this is this is what we're about, you know. It was it was it was really like uh, character building, I suppose, and uh, what you know, and then obviously like. What fucking the uh split with the chinkies? It's like four of our best songs to this day, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, every single one of those is like I would mm-hmm. put like in the pantheon. I believe is every single one of those on this album,
0: Pensacola is not. Um, and I think that a um. No place like a stranger's floor is also not. Two um, two grave missteps by the people at Fat Records. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are actually my two favorite songs on this on this split, um, but uh, really, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, like, horn resolutions is so ubiquitous to like what are th- I it's the mm-hmm. only song that we've never not played Yeah, <laughs> since it was right. written, you know? Could Still Be Your Money. At the time, I thought it was, like, the best thing I've ever written. I've told you that story here before. Mm-hmm. Um, I left on a European tour, and I sang it to myself every day in the back of the van because I was afraid I'd forget it because it was before, like, smartphones. and Like, I
0: mm-hmm.
1: didn't want to... And I was like, man, I finally stumbled onto some real gold here, you know? Yeah. and uh, And those two songs are, like prominent parts of our sort of uh, the lexicon of our sets right mm-hmm. Pensacola and stranger's floor are both like the kinds of deep cuts I love yeah they're like I I mean dude I mean when when I when it's live and me and Chris like sort of like Get up to the mic for like. Your eyes are a cloudy mm-hmm. morning. My mm-hmm. lips are the sealed letter. And every <laughs> yours sincerely sorry. I, like that's like one of my favorite fucking things to do, you know. Yeah. Period. And Pensacola is just such a
0: fucking Chicago song, man. It's a Chicago song. It's also like. That is very, very much like a hold me up Goo Doll song It in just the, like, the discontent and the just annoyance with everything that's happening around you. It's, you know, yeah. my belly hurts and my head feels like a rock. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um. I don't know if
1: I had said this before. I'm, I'm sure I did. If we talked about this during the cocktails episode, um, I, there's a song uh, "March of the Crabs" by um, Propaganda. It's the last song on mm-hmm. um, uh, "Today's Empires, Tomorrow's Ashes." And uh, there's a thing. where was like, "na na yeah, uh-huh. short uh-huh. to uh-huh. scatter. Steady hands, forget to remember. Mm-hmm. And I was like. <laughs> The first part, just... Short fuse to scatter. (laughs) Killing time. I just was like, I'm going to take that just like... It it was like doing like stem cell transplants. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I will take the finest moment of this song and turn it into an overblown four and a half minute song. Mm
0: Well it's it you know I know that you're you're not putting like a, a crazy amount of stock into like what songs do or don't make the cut on this but like if you if you picked one that didn't make this compilation that surprised you the most like which mm, would man, it be man that
1: would be something that a Brendan Kelly with the album in front of them would have to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really don't know. Um, but those two are both fairly surprising. Um Damn. I feel like is there something, is like I feel like YMCA is not on there, um, which is like yeah. one of our fucking most popular songs. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's weird, I mean, like, I don't know if, it, I, I don't know how any of this shit works, but like, uh, for the most part, it would be something a little bit newer you know, mm-hmm. post, post Ocalcutta. Cause it's like, I mean, everything I know, Calcutta could pretty much go on there or not. Uh, yeah. great story kind of same. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it, it's like pick, pick whichever ones you like. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I think some of the later stuff, maybe that I am really fond of, you know, butt sweat and
0: beyond. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you when you're putting um, the tracks from Guided Tour and Ghost Stories? How obligatory? Are those inclusions? Obviously, I think "Turnstiles" is the one song from those two records that, like, really just like moves on with the catalog.
1: I, I think "Evening of Extraordinary Circumstance" has to be on there. It's mm-hmm. it's the mission statement of the band. It's like totally. It was the first song that we ever did together. You know, um, I don't really care too much about any of those songs uh, beyond mm-hmm. those two. You know, um mm-hmm. but again it was uh it was a committee vote, you know. So it's like I put on everything that I thought would possibly be something that people would want to hear on a greatest hits record. Mm-hmm. And um the the fine people at Fat did a vote. Because I mean I can't tell. Yeah, I know it goes over live, but Mhm. But that you know, but then there's like, there's songs like "Boatless Booze Cruise," which is terrible live, but people love, uh-huh. you know. And so it's like to me, I'm like, well, that's not a hit. And then to the people at Fat Records, they're like, no, no, three checks, you know. <laughs> 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 so it's like, or um, "Satellite," with the gravest words, um, same thing, you know. The songs don't like translate that awesome live, mm-hmm. but, like, that that's not to say that they're not great songs on record. Uh, mm-hmm. Or songs that people that pre- one's not, That one's not
0: know. on here, but there, One that was, like, you know, listening to this for the first time, not, like, looking at the tracks as they're coming on, but me and Martha Plimpton in a fancy elevator pops on, and I was like, oh, I'm here for this.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is, uh... I mean, what can you do? It's a fun one. You know, and it, it, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like you can't really. From inside the band, I don't think any of the three of us would be like, oh yeah, Martha should be on this fucking greatest hits album. But mm-hmm. the second you like hand it off to people that like care about the catalog, they're like, of course it should be on. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, I mean, it is fan service to do a greatest hits record. Like, you know, um, it. it If I'm doing, you know, we do Skeleton Coast. Mm -hmm. We're doing what we want to do, you know, and you can come along for the ride or you can tell us to get fucked. We're doing a greatest hits record. It's like, hey, fans. Yeah. Here is something that we've made for you. Uh You know, so it's in our best interest to listen to those fans. When they're calling
0: to you. (laughs)
1: Um, <laughs> you know that song is uh, "Listen to Your Heart" by Roxette. Um, by who? Roxette. I don't know who that is at all. Uh, they're like Icelandic duo. Like the guy. Oh, looked... Bjork. No, no. Well, uh, maybe they weren't from Iceland. Because yeah, Bjork is Icelandic. Um, they're, they're from Denmark, maybe. Um, uh uh-huh. They both look like uh, creative directors. Like an ad agency, um, Mm -hmm. the the guy and the woman and um, the song "Listen to Your Heart" is like was always been one of my favorites. Me and Chris used to watch the video and kind of be like do like the Tommy Boy kind of thing where it was like you change it, no, you you change change it, it. yeah, Uh (laughs) and then when I finally on like the last Bad Religion tour, maybe (laughs) I was playing this song i was like djing in the van Mm -hmm. and i put it on and neil's like is every single aspect of your songwriting a hundred percent informed by this song in particular (laughs) i was like yes yes it is (laughs) I i i i i really like that song it's very good
0: um I I want to go back to Quince and Tupple Your Money because this this is one of those songs that we like talked about a lot when we talked about it but I still feel like there's just there's so much meat on the bone that this is one of the reasons that I was looking forward to having this conversation it's just like okay cool we can I I have like an excuse to like revisit Quince and Tupple Your Money but Um, I, I guess I've always been interested in just like the, the stretch of Clark street that you're talking about. Well, um,
1: it's outside the L and L man. Mm. Um, you know, um, it's, it's the Northern path down Clark from the L and L back, Mm -hmm. back to the, back to the crib. Yeah. You know, um we all lived down there forever. At the time I lived across the street from Chris's parents, um mm-hmm. in Marcus Kretzman in his basement. We had we shared a very nice large studio. Um but mm-hmm. like my mattress was on the floor next to his bed. Yeah. Uh not a lot of privacy. <laughs> um and, um, and, uh, Chris, uh, was living that direction as well. And Neil was just fucking partying, man. I, uh-huh. he, oh, he, li- he lived up there too. So we were all like heading north back from, you know, the l l every night. Mm-hmm. It was just like
0: mm-hmm.
1: get drunk as shit and like walk down Clark street, northbound. Be like, oh, who goes in that door? <laughs> you know? yeah. like, like, shit like that. Just like, look, at this... that's a weird window. You know, and, like, like, shit like that, which is, like, a throwback to when we were um, in high school. And, you know, Chris and I used to, like, split a half ounce of mushrooms and then, like, go walking around and just look at the architecture and just be uh-huh. like those bricks are crazy, you know, like, who lives there, man? You know, like a real, like, sort of uh, boilerplate hippie shit. But, um, you know, I mean, Chris and I have both always been fascinated in, like, sort of, like, the uh, diorama that we live in, you know? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say, like fascinated with architecture or like you know that's that's too much um old buildings
0: are like wild but what's cool what you gonna do man yeah so what was like because i mean people in chicago are definitely familiar with that stretch for folks outside of chicago it's notably um it's just a little bit like the lnl is a little bit south of the metro and Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Also, I think at this point, uh, the G Man has achieved a certain status as being a you destination. Know, yeah. Hmm. Um. You know, I I can remember going because coming from the northwest suburbs, we could take the train into. Irving Park we could get on the bus take the Irving Park bus all the way to Clark and then walk down to the metro our parents were always cool with that route yeah. um, and the the amount of change that's happened from you know it's 2003-2004
1: it's crazy because you know um, like if you go now to the L&L um, across the street is a Target and mm-hmm. There's, you know, it's, it's, it just looks like it's part of a um, very well-to-do municipal district, you know? Yeah. Um, but, and which is great, by the way. I don't want to have a problem with that. Um, mm-hmm. The, but the Clark Street I was writing about at that time, I can still fucking picture when every time I hear that lyric... Or sing it is like after the L and L. There's like one storefront that was always boarded up. There was an animal hospital, and then vacant lots wow. on both sides, like with an old folks' home and the alley, and gu- which became a guitar center eventually. Mm. Um, on that side, that side was like a little less vacant, actually. Um, but it was just empty, man. It was like you'd go out and and there was nothing, and it was like, you know, then you could, you get, you go under the tracks there, um, where fucking uh, pick me up. Yeah, yeah, pick me up is right there. But I was thinking of the. Mexican place, uh, it's not Tapatio, but whatever, who cares, uh, and then that was, like, the little Jamaica zone, and they would, like, still, like, huh. fucking, and there would still be, like, dreadlock Rasta people hanging out the windows, yelling at each other, clothes lines swinging all the way across the street and shit, wow. it, like, up until, like, that time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why, I like, um, Alive one and, uh... No, not a live one. Uh oh, yeah. what, what are those There's there's two like reggae bars down there. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that district for sure. Yeah. I'd call it, you know,
1: White Girl's Delight or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, it just seemed so like fetishized already, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> like Yeah, good on every single person in that situation, by the way. Um <laughs> But, yeah, now it's not that. Um, the the Clark Street guy, Clark Street I was writing about, look at the buildings we've never seen were the new buildings that were coming up to mm-hmm. be placed into those vacant lots, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, cool time, weird time. Like the song. Hilarious bass line. I remember when I recorded it in the studio, I think I might have told you this when we did this first. The After the first verse, I played on, like, the low notes, mm-hmm. and Neil started laughing, like, <laughs> uncontrollably. He was like, holy shit, are you doing that? And I was like... and it, Like, for a brief moment, because Neil's such a virtuoso... Yeah. It, like, made me question myself... You know, because like mm-hmm. he's better at this than me, and, and then I was like, "No, if it's making Neil laugh this hard, it has to stay," <laughs> <laughs> which is really the fucking uh, that that is the, the one of our many mission statements, I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there, there used to be. If I'm not mistaken, a record store that was next to the Metro. Yeah. Um Did you work at that record store?
1: No, I sure did not. Um what was that place called? I can't remember. Um but um Yeah, I mean that was that was like a real niche record store. I mean it had like 14 different albums in it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it was just like what was what side tracks no that's not right fuck um anyway uh it it was the i guess height of like late 90s boutique largesse man like you (laughs) like sell Mm -hmm. like it's like hey all we carry is poison the well and uh you know the thursday uh, mm-hmm. oh and the alkaline trio because you know they're from here and like literally anything else you want you can like really go fuck yourself and people are like yeah, yeah. No, i'll buy this actually um <laughs> dude what was the name of that fucking record store that's gonna drive me crazy you'll now be like witnessing me at 75% of my brain until I can think of that. I'm sorry. I will try to not do that, but
0: that's what's going to happen. Um I'll do my best to uh to help both of us out on that front, but you know, it's it is like an interesting um it's an interesting time I think in the the early 2000s we talked about the the shady view terrace split and you mentioned bands like poison the well um i feel like the space that your band is starting up in is just so weird and like not yeah. not suited to to what y'all were i guess what you all ended up doing well i think what what is so weird is that
1: Everything that was going on at that time was like this very like almost like Westminster dog show version of punk rock, you know mm-hmm. it's like poison the well was like Oh, and here's the here's the Yorkie who was with his you know beautiful mustache and all all that (laughs) like that kind of shit like it's like right right like yeah technically that's punk rock but it's so like dialed to something very specific and it's like over Mm -hmm. here is thursday so dialed to something very specific and here's piebald and they're so dialed to something very specific and here's like even like you know a few years later like yellow card and they're like so and we were just like how about just like punk rock just the, the the thing yeah. <laughs> you know? And so it made us weird outliers in a very weird way because we were the only one who didn't have a thing. hmm <laughs> You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. Like, it, I, I don't think you're wrong. I I absolutely agree with you. But, like, to, to reflect on it now, it's hilarious. It's like, uh... Yeah, yeah. We were the weird ones just playing four chords <laughs> like singing choruses and stuff, you know? Totally. With, with melodies.
0: Also, <laughs> like, like there was a whole fashion to that too that you never really uh fit oh, in with.
1: That's one of the greatest aspects of our band is that era, how we looked at that time. I mean oh. just me and Chris. Like I, like, I had, like, a bleach blonde buzz cut. Chris had, like, uh, it's like, Lars Fredrickson hair. But, like, we were both wearing, like, flannels and, like, size 92 pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And Neil was just, like, buzz cut, chin strap beard. <laughs> like, wearing, like, a blind T-shirt. Uh-huh. Uh, you know? And it was just, like... And I can even remember, like, early on, like, being like, so what are you going to change into to go on stage? I'm like, "What the fuck up. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> like, we, just, you know, like, uh, one of uh, our good friends who, like, my my kids uh, are the exact same age as her two kids and they're like mm-hmm. all very dear friends and she's mm-hmm. one of my favorite people in the world. And the first time she came to see the Lawrence arm, she was like afterwards she was like, I was so fucking nervous because I thought you were just gonna get up there and be such a dork. But you're exactly the same up there as you are down here. Yeah. There's no there's no difference. And and then again in the in the many um, sort of mission statements of the Lawrence Arms. I think that is also one. Mm-hmm. It's like we're just like the guys, you know, and yeah. like yeah. we will absolutely be the funnest band around. But <laughs> we're not putting on corpse paint or anything, you know. Like we're <laughs> it's just right. uh, it's it, it's like. Because of when that specific time that we came up, Mm -hmm. where everything was like so frilly, yeah, Yeah. it became like sort of I think, and I've never really even thought about this till just now, but I think that it just became our reaction to be like we do nothing, Hmm. we we Mm -hmm. do literally nothing, we are Brett and Chris and Neil, Um, we are. Fucking wearing our street clothes. Yeah. We are, you know, going on stage, dicking around with each other. You know, it's funny. I just learned the baseline to push it. Let's play that six times tonight between every fucking song. <laughs> you know, like, shit like that. Right? You know, there was also that aspect of it, which was like, nobody likes us. So we might as well entertain ourselves. Oh, you're froze.
0: No, I'm not. No, you're not. Yeah. You're just
1: very still. Mm-hmm. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. It's nice to just, I, with everything that's going on in my home, just mm-hmm. like sitting and listening is just mm-hmm. a wonderful treat right now.
1: Yeah, but that that is um,
0: those are two very like I think.
1: I mean, now Chris doesn't fuck around anymore. He, you know, he's a, he's he's not as into like. Getting in on the game. i mean, when he does, uh-huh. it's always funny as shit, you know. <laughs> but like, he used—I mean, he used to be the fucking rowdy one, man. Like, yeah. uh, it, I remember we played this show at the the Mermaid in New Orleans. Um, I mean, the Mermaid's probably been gone for 19 years, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know. And halfway through, Chris jumps from this stage. Onto the bar, reaches down, grabs a bottle of, like, just random liquor. Like, it could have been tequila. It could have been whiskey. It, like, just oh. droop, chugs it, finishes the guitar solo and toast, jumps <laughs> back. You know, like, you know, there there is, like, there's a misapprehension that I, like, Concocted the persona of the Lawrence Arms. Mm-hmm. In reality,
0: I just carry the flame. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always been really funny to, like you know you you kind of you build up I think a perception in your brain when you're listening to music that. most especially when there are multiple singers where it's like, okay, cool. This guy is the guy with the gravelly voice. This guy's got the softer voice. This guy is, uh, you know, he's a little bit more uh, in your face and this guy's a little bit more withdrawn. And, like, no matter what, no matter what, that's always going to be part of the way that, I will see your band, but then when you look at, like, the stretch, and it goes back to the Broadway's, too, anytime Chris is, like, has a song about drinking, it's just like, dude, what the fuck is, like, (laughs) this guy seems like he gets a beer and a half in him, and it's just lampshade, like, all night. Oh, word, I mean, and,
1: dude, I...
0: Cannot say
1: a single bad thing about Party Chris, because Party Chris was, like, my guy. Um, I think Chris probably has a few bad things to say about Party Chris. Um, yeah, they're all,
0: they're all socks, but, yeah. I
1: wish... <laughs> I wish Party Chris could have kept it together, because the Party Chris was, like, my favorite hang of all time. And every once in a while, we still get Party Chris now and then, uh-huh. and it's... It's just awesome, you know. um, And I mean, look at the guy. He looks he looks beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know. Voice like an angel, you know. I don't besmirch his choices by any stretch of the imagination. Beautiful, beautiful wife, you know. Um, The man back in the day, we used to get fucked up, yo. (laughs) Like. It would be like, we'd walk into some place and people would be like, you too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And which, like, as, as an older guy now, I'm like, oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was like, us too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> you know?
0: I could, I could, like, feel the the joy radiate just like yeah, being
1: <laughs>
0: like... I got I got cut off at the G Man one night or one afternoon I should say. Just uh drinking whiskey at the uh at the Cubs game and then going over the G Man. And you know that feeling of like when you're drinking out in the sun like all day and you don't you don't feel like you're tanked. No, but then
1: you'd, like, stand up or something, and you're like, ooh, no. Yeah. Yeah, and, dude, I, uh, we were in Australia, and we were in Sydney, and I was like, when do the bars close? And they're like, they never close, mate. You know, (laughs) I was like, they never close, all right. Color me drunk. Let's go. And, you know, so we go out to the bars. I walk in the first bar and they're like, Yeah, how many have you had? You know, and I'm like, What? <laughs> I'm like, little drunk, are ya? And I'm like, <laughs> No, I've had, been working all night. I had one drink. Yeah. You're all right then. You know, and then I order a drink. And, like, I don't pay expeditiously enough or something like that. They're like, we'll ride out with you then. And I'm like, what the fuck? I've never been kicked out of more bars in my entire life than that one night in Sydney. (laughs) How many bars (laughs) kicked me out? Uh, and, and, And I swear to you, I was... I wouldn't say sober as a judge. Sober is Brett Kavanaugh, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> sober is a Supreme Court judge, uh, uh, you know. And, and like, I I could have like walked a line. I could have fucking driven a car. I probably could have blown negative on a DUI machine or whatever the fuck that's called. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what they do Is they leave the bars open all night They have you buy a drink And then they kick you the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> And it's such a fucking dark Disturbing reality Like when you're like I've been kicked out of nine bars uh-huh. <laughs> You know the fucking, um, Which reminds me also Of like the last time I was in Well okay I'm turning this totally into story hour right now I don't yeah, yeah, give yeah. a fuck anymore the first time uh, the Lawrence Arms ever did anything in Europe, because I've told you about how like we had kind of like a uphill battle mm-hmm. in Europe, and this wasn't even Europe; it was the UK. But, uh, um, but we played in Birmingham, and it was sold out. I mean, the room was small; it was like mm-hmm. 250 people or something like that. But it was sold out way in advance. And so it was like all the fucking like weird like uh, West African uh, like scalpers and Mm -hmm. bootleggers were there with like fake Lawrence Arms shirts and like trying to sell Uh fake tickets and shit. And I'm like walking back from dinner. (laughs) Where the guys like, yeah, try that. Go down there. There's a great burger. It's tar chili and peanut butter. I'm like, okay. No, I, so, can I get food advice from anyone but this guy? Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I'm walking back from wherever else I ate, which I know was not there. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, very nice. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I see these dudes, and I'm like. Oh, fuck, yeah. This is the coolest fucking thing. Like, fake Lawrence Arms shirts. Mm-hmm. People, like, creating, like, a little, like, uh, free, free uh, open-air market outside our show because mm-hmm. we're so fucking popular with our 250 tickets sold. Yes, I'm, I'm into it. I walk inside, and I'm like, go to the bar. The doors aren't open yet. I'm like, Hello. I would like a pint glass full of ice to the top because over there they don't fuck with ice at all. Mm-hmm. I and then I wanted it fifty percent vodka, fifty percent club soda, and they were looking at me like I just ordered like a fucking uh, Kardashian baby. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I do not care how much it costs. I am fine with it. I am really feeling myself right now. I'd like, I'd like this drink. I, w- I want a drink. Like I get in my homeland or whatever, you know, uh, without the weird Naziish connotations of homeland. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it was every piece of ice they had in the entire place for the whole <laughs> night for a sold out show. <laughs> And it cost me the American equivalent of $40. <laughs> but we were we, were, in, uh, were we in Australia. Or was it Europe? It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. And I was just like, man, you can't fucking get drunk here. These fucking pores are so light. Mm-hmm. And the person I was with was like, Yeah, because we have free health care. Like in America, you can fucking kill your liver as bad as you want and you pay for it.
0: Mm -hmm. Here,
1: it's in the public interest that you not do that. (laughs) And I was like, oh, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I, I just I find that to be a fascinating piece of trivia. I
0: Um, mean, that's like, you know, that's kind of what became a, a go-to argument for me in uh, you know, any sort of frustrating political conversation. It's just like, you're going to end up paying for it if you don't want to pay your taxes. But I ain't, I ain't here for that right now. No, I no we're partying. Um... Can you tell me about the time that you met Bukowski? That was one of my favorite bad uh... sandwich... Well, so the thing
1: is, I got no fucking idea if it was him. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it was, I was on tour, slapstick, and we were playing in northern Florida somewhere. And when people, like, try to dissect the story, they always say, what was fucking Bukowski doing in Northern Florida? And I'm like, what the fuck was I doing in Northern Florida? You know, like, (laughs) um, are we in the
0: panhandle?
1: No, 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 no. We are maybe in Tampa. Maybe. Okay. Maybe we're even in Pensacola. Maybe we are in the panhandle. All I know is there was a hurricane coming Mm -hmm. and, um, everything was closing down and being boarded up. And, you know, this was way before cell phones or anything like that. And we're calling uh the club and we're like, we're just going to drive there. Is that cool? And they are like, we're open. You know, and so we mm-hmm. drive like literally through the hurricane Um and get there. And let me tell you what happens when an 18-year-old ska band from Illinois in a pre-internet era shows up at a fucking wacky Pensacola fucking, you know, old man bar in the midst of a hurricane. No one else comes. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> what happens. And, uh, I was sitting at the bar with, and this, this dude who introduced himself to me as Charlie. He was old dude. And, again, I can't stress enough, there is no, like, I don't know what was going on here. Um, Mm -hmm. This this is just the story I have. You know? I'm not trying to make any definitive points. But, uh... uh, And he was, like... Started talking to me. He's like, what are you doing later? You know, just, like, really, like, pervy and, like, great. And, like, kind of, like, grabbing my shoulders and stuff. And just, like, Uh smelled, like, these cigarettes. I've never actually seen this anywhere... He had purchased the bottle, and of whiskey, yeah. and it was just in mm-hmm. front of him on the bar, right? Like you see that in movies, where it's like, "Give mm-hmm. me the bottle," and it's like, "I've tried that shit," and they're like, uh, "That's illegal," <laughs> you know. But uh, but uh, so this this dude was just drinking from the bottle. I was drinking from this bottle. Um, we. Uh, We had a a nice time. He was, like, really into the punk rock ideals and also, like, vaguely pervy. I think probably if I'd been like, hey, want to suck my dick? He would have been like, yep, for sure. You know, Uh like, uh, (laughs) I mean, that's the memory I have. I've been alive longer since than I was before at that time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, everything's probably pretty cloudy. But. The second thing is I hung out with this dude all night. We ended up, I think, not even playing because it was too risky to turn on the PA because of the hurricane going on and, like, the the breakers and stuff. At the end of the night, uh, they come to get me, and I'm hanging out with Charlie at the bar, man, and uh, they take me out the next morning. I'm reading memoirs of a dirty old man at the time, Mm -hmm. and I'm just, like you know, reading it in the van as we drive and Pete, Anna, was like, the dude on the cover of your book is the guy you were hanging out with last night. (laughs) And I was like, they do look a lot alike. That's all the information I have. Like, I I don't want to make any fucking, like, crazy claims, you know, but, Mm -hmm. uh, it's enough that to me it was Charles Bukowski. You know, you know what I mean. Like, like, yeah. like, was it just like some lecherous Florida pervert? Probably, but <laughs> but uh, enough of it was like classic Bukowski that I'd like to pretend.
0: The like having the bottle there, I think, is the big one. Other than his name, like being Charlie. Yeah.
1: And him looking exactly like the photo on the book that he just uh-huh. put out. And there's a lot, like, that goes into the theory that it makes a lot of sense. But, like, you start saying shit like, I hung out with Charles Bukowski, and people start going, no, the fuck you did, man. Uh-huh. You know? And, like, I get that. Uh, I, I... I did. I hung out with a dude named Charlie, and... He really looked and acted a lot like Charles Bukowski. <laughs> That's all I can say.
0: So let's put let's put a plug on it for this week. I think that this is a this is a concept that we can kind of return to uh here and there when we wanna just like have time for beak story hour, talk about uh certain songs, certain releases things like that. This will be like our kind of uh our ETC uh episodes. But next yeah. and oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Dan, That's all right. But
1: uh this is a perfect time I think to mention that uh if you subscribe to our Patreon, write in <laughs> some questions. We do Q&A shit all the time. You know? I actually thought we were going to do some today, but it turned out We were both so fascinating, we didn't have to delve into your fucking bullshit (laughs) questions.
0: Patreon.com slash better sandwich. We got some homies over there who come and hang out with us. Folks like Greg Barnett, Tom May, and and Brian Fallon, and Dave Haas, Dan Andriano, Uh, all the stars. Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen, Um, John Cusack, Joan Cusack,
1: uh, Mark Lynn Baker, Bronson Pinchot, um, Don Quixote. It's a a really fucking Marcus Kratzman. It's
0: a hell of a time over there, man. Next week, what do you think, Brendan? What should we talk about next
1: week? Well, as per our pre production meeting, Tim, I think we should talk about Broken Van.
0: Oh, goodness. Broken, ban- bro- broken Van by the Broadways? That's right. Correct. Broken Van by the Broadways. Oh. It, it it promises to
1: be as embarrassing as it sounds like it will be
0: for me, <laughs>
1: specifically.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun. Good luck in L.A. next week. Thanks, Brandon. buddy. Brandon. And uh, we'll be here on the feed for you next Friday. We'll see you then. Thanks. Guys. All right. Later, everybody. We'll stop at the and pass out on the floor.